0: Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to your Maryland. In the War of 1812, the British Navy ruled the seas. They stopped American ships, seized American sailors, burned Washington, lobbed bombs at Fort McHenry, and became a general nuisance. History has recorded their larger accomplishments, but we tend to forget that from 1813 until the end of the war, the Royal Navy made itself completely at home on the Chesapeake Bay, raiding farms and houses on both shores, burning towns, seizing and burning boats, and doing whatever it pleased to make Marylanders miserable. One such British warship was HMS Dauntless, which arrived in the Chesapeake in October 1814. It wasn't much as warships go, just a tender that went around provisioning larger ships, but it had an aggressive young officer aboard, one Matthew Phibbs, who commanded a longboat and a little jolly boat. The longboat contained a cannon and a swivel gun, oars and sails, and 20 sailors and marines who captured Maryland watercraft and confiscated livestock. On February 5th, 1815, the Dauntless anchored off James Island in the Little Choptank River. The weather was extremely cold. Ice had begun to form on the river and even in the bay. A peace treaty had been signed in Europe six weeks earlier, but nobody here knew about it yet. News traveled very slowly in 1815. But undaunted by the ice and cold, Phib set out the next morning to make mischief. Imbued with a sense of duty and bristling with a desire to chastise the Americans, Phibbs and his little fleet sailed to the farm of Moses Gogan on James Point, put seven sheep in the jolly boat, and told Gogan they'd be back for more the next day. They would have, too, but the next day the jolly couldn't get through the building ice and had to return to the longboat. Now, as it happened, the men of Dorchester County, particularly those who had joined the militia, had had just about enough of the Royal Navy. One of them was Joseph Stewart a builder of ships that the British had taken. When he heard about Gogan's sheep, he gathered a few friends and went down to James's point to see what was afoot. By then, ice coming in from the bay had pinned the longboat against the ice growing out from the shore. Phibs was stuck. The militia saw this as a golden opportunity, but figured they'd need a cannon to capture him, so they went back to Cambridge to find one. Not Stuart, though. The longboat was trapped, about 400 yards offshore, and Stuart noticed that about a 150 yards from it, the crunching ice had piled up in a sort of mound. He and 19 other flinty-eyed men loaded their rifles and picked their way across the broken ice, careful not to slip into the freezing water. When they reached the mound, they settled in behind it and opened fire. The British crouched in the longboat and fired back, but they couldn't stand up to work their cannon because the Americans were pretty good shots. After two hours of icy wind and American rifle balls, Fibbs and his men stood up and waved their handkerchiefs in surrender. Shortly after the shooting stopped, 20 more shoremen showed up to see what the ruckus was about. Stewart turned his prisoners over to Henry Haskins, deputy marshal for Dorchester County, and the British sailors soon found themselves in the Easton Jail. Three weeks later, the peace treaty was ratified. By May 1815, Fibbs was back in London, writing letters to the Admiralty trying to explain what had happened to his longboat. It was, he said captured by the Chesapeake. The Admiralty might have bought that line, but not Stewart, who wrote an account of what he called the Battle of the Ice Mound for the Maryland Gazette. He also petitioned Congress for compensation. The Committee of Ways and Means referred it to the Committee on Naval Affairs, and eventually Congress awarded Stewart and his men $1,800. Unfortunately, all those other shoremen who'd come by to see what happened got themselves in the Bill too. And when it was all said and done, Stuart's share came to $42.90. Not much for a victory in wartime. But the Battle of the Ice Mound was never forgotten in Dorchester. Stuart got to keep the longboat, and its cannon became a well-known town monument. One hopes, too, that Moses Gogan got his sheep back.